Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Blog Talk Radio. Hey, 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 I was into the hit it with the right left accent. Hey, uh, this is Hey, this is DJ Jika, hallelujah, holla back. How y'all doing on this here <laughs> Labor Day weekend? On this here Labor Day weekend, you know. Yeah, no happy work, holidays. No work, no work at all play, representing all those that do go to work. Amen, amen, amen. Right, so right, on? I know. I know a lot of people are actually taking advantage of the Labor Day weekend. Some people don't even know what it means, but we'll go there in a minute. But um, for the people that actually know what it means, you know, they really appreciate this holiday. And the people that work and get the day off appreciate it, too, because <laughs> they get a day off. And people, you know, it's a time where people come together with family, you know, and you kind of break bread and, you know, relax and have fun have good food and desserts and all those things. So, yeah, Labor Day is a special day for everybody. Well, most people. Because some people have to go to work still. So what about you, DJ Deacon? Oh, I was, you know, on Tunnel Vision, we try to be uh, fruitful and give information. So I had to rely on Google, you know. So Labor Day, History of Labor Day, U.S. Department of Labor, uh, a website, dol.gov. We want to give credit where credit is due. Labor Day, what it means, Labor Day. The first Monday in September is a creation of the labor movement, and it is dedicated to the social and economic achievements of American workers. It constitutes a yearly national tribute to the contributions workers have made to the to the strength, prosperity, and well-being of our country. So there it is. You heard it on Tunnel Vision, according to the Department of Labor.gov website, History of Labor Day. All right, also, I think, it said, I, think it's, I think it said that it's 100, uh, 1,200. Hang on, I lost it. I think it said 1,200, 1,225th anniversary. I want to say. Oh, well, I'm we need to look that it. up. Let's look it up. Yes. We want to make sure we get yeah, it right. Yeah, I had it. I had it, and it went away off my phone. Oh, I'm sorry. I said too many days. <laughs> it's 125th anniversary <laughs> of Labor Day being celebrated as a national holiday. That's what I was right. trying to say. I said, I said 1225, 25th. We ain't there yet, but you're trying to give it more days. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, we appreciate Thank you for that um, Labor Day being, uh, and Labor Day is actually tomorrow, but people are, this is Labor Day weekend. So it's usually celebrated yeah. on the first Monday in September, um, you know, every year. So. And it also means that. Monday tomorrow, because we're not going to be on the air tomorrow, okay? So we're going to pretend like today, Labor Day for us. Okay, it also means the last day of summer. Let's say it again, the last day of summer. And I do <laughs> believe September 21st, I do believe, don't quote me, I'll have to look it up for next week, uh, fall begins. And I just love fall. Well, it ain't, it ain't got nothing to do with the weather. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be transparent. It ain't got nothing to do with the weather and the the, the, the leaves falling all down and all that. I like fall because yeah. I was born in fall season. Okay? 
and <laughs> I start counting down for my birthday about now, October 4th, and then my co-host, Miss Vicky, her birthday is October 9th, so we, we, we party down in the month of October, and we kind of start right now, so we might say something the whole month of September and give a countdown to get to our actual birthday. All righty then. Yeah. Yeah. Anything you want to share about that? <laughs> yeah. I actually was going to say something, and I told him, oh, I know what I was going to say now. Um, well, you know, depending on where you are, if you're on the West Coast, East Coast, um, let's just stay with West and East. You know, summer being um, over in the West Coast, actually, we don't, we have we have hot weather all the time. Like, it's warm. So it's not, like, such a big deal for us because you can wear a, a bathing suit, you know, 365 days in a year. Well, let's say 90%, 80% of the time, you know. So <laughs> we can get away with it. But if you're talking about the East Coast, it's major for them because they truly have seasons. So, Summer being over, being the last day of summer on Labor Day. You said Labor Day, right? That's what the word said. Yeah, That's what the next said. So, so no, Labor Day that. being the last day of um, summer is huge for them because, but they will be actually experiencing fall, and you know, fall it looks really beautiful in on the East Coast, just like spring. So, you know, all the flowers are falling and the different dynamics of nature is going on and they actually see the the realness of it all and I think they might experience that in the south as well but we just talk like I said I'm going to stay within the parameters of the east and the west because I know a little bit about the east coast now since I had went down there for a time so um yeah but yeah that's interesting that tomorrow's the last day of summer I'm like wow thank you for that DJ Dika Sometimes we we need to be abreast of what's going on. Um, but let's but let's keep our 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 um trend going, I guess tradition or whatever of speaking of unsung heroes. We wanna speak on an unsung hero today, maybe a few. And uh the one I wanna speak on is a female who's been in my life about twenty six years or so. And um, she is my sister. Her name is Elise Williams. And um, if she listens to the show or whenever she listens, if she's listening now, she's probably going to be surprised. But I feel I feel she is an unsung hero. Um, in her family, she's not. But in the community, she may be. Um, she has sickle cell anemia, the disorder. Isn't that considered a disorder? Or the blood disease or something like that? Yeah, I believe so. Let's look okay, it up. so Keep don't talking. quote me. Yeah, you can look it up for me. And that girl has, is a powerhouse. She is so active. Um, she has a little boy, my nephew. I believe he's around five or six now. And she is an awesome parent. Um, not only that, she went, um, she got her bachelor's degree. She's going to be, I'm sure, going to be getting her master's. But she's always busy. Even as a young girl, young baby, she was a model. Um, uh, she was a 4.0 student for many years, um, you know, went up and down with that. But she always made really good grades. She's very smart. Um, but dealing with her sickness, she has pers- persevered through a lot of things. And I've heard like stories how people with disabilities or limitations, how some of them really persevere over more than a person that doesn't have it. So she's one that I wanted to highlight. Elise has really, she always perseveres over her limitation, you know, dealing with sickle cell. And sickle cell is a very um, uncomfortable situation because, you know, you never know when you're going to have a crisis. And when she has a crisis, she actually has to go into the hospital and they have to pump her with medication and all these things. And it causes, it interrupts her life. So let's say she's in school, she's taking care of a child, you know, she's working, and then she has to put everything on hold because she cannot, um, she's, she's limited, like the sickness and put her, you know, put her on her back. 
And she, I've, I've even, uh, I even know of occasions when she was in school, she, she told them to bring the laptop to the hospital when she was doing her homework in her hospital bed while she's connected to all these tools. Um, she's a, uh, awesome mom. She's like a super mom. She does everything for her son. Don't get me wrong. She has a support system, but I'm saying that the things that she's able to do on her own is amazing. Like she does, she goes over the top. She does over the top things with her son, even with her sickness present in her life. Um, she's very active in her child's life with schools, uh, sports when, the, when she's permitted. Um, she's even active with her family, you know, um, but I really just wanted to give her kudos and recognize her um, with her being such a powerhouse, even in her condition. And she has a really big heart as well. She has a very, very big heart. Um, you know, like I said, she's active in her son's life, so she volunteers at the school when she's able. And, um, you know, she's just an awesome person. So I just wanted to honor Elise Williams, my sister, who's 26 years old, I believe. I think she's going to be 27 in May. And um, she's just an awesome person. I just want to give her love. Love you, Elise. So, Dika. Thank you Yes, thank um, you did you stuff. find did you find the um yes, I did. The, yes, I did. Okay, yes, I did. so what is it? So what is um It's considered a disorder. Okay, so People I said it right. Okay. Disorder have a typical hemoglobin molecules called hemoglobin S which can distort red blood cells into a sickle type shape or a croissant so we've given you that. Um, I also have a family member um, that also has sickle cell. So I'd like to give honor to her as well. Her name is Esther Thompson. Um, and she lives with sickle cell as well. But you wouldn't know that because she, even though it's considered a disability, um, you would never think that. Uh, she, she just recently had a child as well. And People, uh, family members were kind of concerned, not that she wouldn't be able to do it, but just concerned about her taking care of it or whatever. But she has support. Uh, my in-laws, uh, they're there to support, help take care of the baby when she's in the hospital. And she goes to work. And she also helps helps me as well with my son, even though he's grown. But that's a whole other topic that we'll talk about at a later date. But some of you I know can relate as parents. Even though your children are grown, you still uh, are doing things for them. They are still calling on you for the things, and so you still are a part of your children's life, even though they're grown. So anyway, she helps to uh, care for my son when there's a need, and um, I just want to give her her props. Um, also, I want to give acknowledgement to um, our business partner, a friend, uh, he also works with me in the media ministry at Zoe Christian Fellowship. Give him a shout out to Zoe Christian Fellowship. Um, his name is Marcus Davis. So he is behind the scenes of Divine Victory Ministries, Divine Victory Productions is all in one. When we do our videos, we'll be getting back to that very soon. We have many videos um, uh, sharing about domestic violence. It's on our website. But anyway, he's the person that helps us get the videos done. Uh, Vicky and I are the producers. We come up with the script and how everything goes, but he's the one that makes it come to life with the editing. And I just want to give him his props. He is an awesome, awesome, awesome father. Um, uh, sooner or later we're going to talk about fathers, and Marcus is going to be one that we're going to highlight. Uh, he takes fatherhood to a whole nother level. Just watching him yeah. in action is I'm like in awe, you know. I'm like, man, and and you can truly tell that he loves being a father. It's not work for him. He just cares for his right. children, and right. even goes on. And I'm like, wow, my goodness, man, can we bottle right. you, man? <laughs> 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 and, 
and and he's very humble. He doesn't like to be put on the spot. He doesn't like to be put in the spotlight, so he might not be happy with us, but he'll get over it. Um, <laughs> just loves what he does, and he doesn't look for accolades or anything. So we just want to thank Marcus. Um, yeah. Be where it is today without his help in bringing what we have done the last five years into fruition. So um, yeah. I, we always do at the end of our show, we give our website. So if you would like to see some of our videos, please go to our website. Or you could also go to our Facebook page, and our videos are there. Where right now our topic, or our, our what should we say, our brand topic is domestic violence. So as of right now, all our videos are pertaining to domestic violence, and some of them is pertaining to my co-host Vicky's story and what she had to go through with domestic violence, and um, we're still working on some more of her story, but for now you can see a little clip of that, and then we got it out there. I don't know when it's going to happen, but Marcus and uh, uh, Vicky are trying to, uh, you know, eventually work on my story. Um, I'm not ready to tell my story, but I guess, you know, hey, <laughs> when it, when God says time, I have to be obedient. So anyway, so that's the end of our unsung hero to Elise, Esther, and Marcus. We appreciate you. So um, yeah. back to life, back to reality. Back to reality. So what do we <laughs> want to talk about now, Miss Vicky? Um, I think we could briefly, we still have time to briefly discuss about the, um, did you guys know that there's a law that's, um, it's a bill right now, but it's a, it's a bill trying to be, it's a bill, but it's trying to become law, uh, which was, um, influenced by our president. Um, if you get an abortion, it can become a criminal offense. Like you can go to jail for getting an abortion. So me and DJ Dika was um, doing some research on it, and it's not in full fruition yet, but um, but it is uh, in the making, and there's a lot of people in, I know it's a lot of people in support of, they're against abortion, but they're going to make it a criminal offense. So I'm just letting you ladies know that it's not as easy you know, to um, to go and get abortion these days. They're really trying to put laws in place to protect uh, unborn children. DJ Dika, did you not speak on information um, that you had gotten from it? Oh uh, yeah, it's um, like I said, it's not um, it's not uh, permanent yet. It's just discussing and you know, it's passed. And I do believe it might be um, in Ohio, but don't quote us. We're going to continue to give research. But the bill is called Heartbeat Bill. And it will basically overturn the current bill, which is with Wade, where right now it is legal for you to get an abortion. But if this passes, um, if the baby, depending on what the guidelines are going to be, whether the baby is six weeks or 12 weeks, you know, and you, you know, want to do, get an abortion, because um, if this passes, you know, it'll be legal. And, you know, before Roe Wo- versus Wade, you know, I heard stories uh, talking about how people were going in alleys and killing the babies with um, clothes hangers, and now we got doctors. So, you know, if this happens, and then if it happens and it comes to pass that you have to go to jail, that's going to take it to a whole nother level. And we're not, we're just giving information. We're not supporting or not supporting. We're just giving information. That's what the tunnel vision is, just to give information and you think outside the box. So whether you believe it or not believe it, it's about safety right now. It's about safety right now. Right, right, Because if this happens, it's going to cause many women to be afraid, and they're going to end up going to do what they got to do according to where they feel, and killing babies illegally and doing and killing it the wrong way, and then they might even hurt themselves. So this is about safety. It ain't about I believe it or not. So we just wanted to give that information, yeah, and we'll give. Cause yeah, the, go ahead. I was just going to say that the black market is the black market is very 
ex- uh, what am I trying to say, resourceful for some people, yeah. and it's growing. So every time they make these laws to prevent people from doing stuff, they just go to the black market. They just go, they you know, money. to these people that's doing stuff in their homes and all this stuff. Um, I'm not going to say no names or anything like that, but I remember somebody had told me that there was a dentist doing dental work in his home. So, you know, we even gotten to the point where, it's, you know, dental work you can do from your home, that people are doing from, from their home. Um, they're doing um, plastic surgery. You know, I don't know a whole lot about what people are doing in their homes nowadays or doing outside of the offices, the professional, and outside of the professional realm. But I'm just saying that, you know, when when we think about these laws that we're voting for, when you if you vote or you don't vote, the laws that are passing are it's affecting the black market in a good way. And I'm not saying that's a good thing, but I'm saying that, that they're making more money because if they can if people can't get the services that they need, then they're going to the black market. Now that's the unsafety that's the part that becomes a safety issue because you're dealing with people that aren't professional and they don't you know, you don't know how they're not held accountable of how they treat you. So you if you have people that go to these places to go get an abortion, you know what I'm saying, then, you know, you're causing people to either get diseases or maybe even die. You know, it can be from one extreme to the other. I've known people that have gotten abortions. They only got one, and they can't even have kids anymore. So it's just different dynamics, and they got it at a clinic. So if they get, if they got it, if they get an abortion in a, in a place that's not a clinic or a hospital in somebody's home or backyard, whatever the case may be, the back backyard uh, doctor offices or whatever, no telling what may happen to them, you know. So just we, like DJ Dika said, we're here to just give you information and then talk about a few views on the information we share. So. Yeah, and just to elaborate more on that. No, not yet. Um. So we'll continue to discuss this more and more as we continue to do research. But as we were saying, you know, we're just giving you information. Because Tunnel Vision is talking about social issues. So abortion is a social issue. Talking about social yes, issues. Yes, Social issues where you think outside the box. Because remember now, right. Tunnel Vision, we defined it early on, is where you think one way. And you just stay there. Right. And that's all that matters. Tunnel vision right. is can get you in trouble. Having that tunnel vision thinking, um, so sometimes you have to go beyond that tunnel vision thinking, that one set mindset of thinking, and think um, outside of the box. So think another way, because um, even though I'm Especially doing this show, if it's going to help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm doing this show on a weekly. Every week we're doing this show, and there are times where you know I have to be reminded, oh, you you thinking tunnel vision. I'm like, oh yeah, let me let me be willing to think outside. And then that's the other thing. You gotta be willing. You gotta be willing to sometimes think outside of the box, because sometimes you may get into a good heated conversation, and both of y'all tunnel vision uh, in the conversation. But somebody gotta be willing to be like, you know what? Let's just squash this. Let's just agree to disagree and move on. All right. So. Exactly. And I just want to oh. add another example. I just wanted to add another example in regards to, you know, dealing with the abortion issue because I know that people feel like, oh, that's killing a child and things like that. But just like a drug addict, you know, there's called um, it's reduced treatment. Oh, man, I'm like, can't remember the actual terminology. But basically, like for heroin addicts or people that are, are junkies, it's difficult to just take them off of the drug. So what they do is they reduce it. Like they provide them with things to help them to still practice what they're doing, but give them clean needles and they give them, um, you know, make sure that they have different tools that they need so they don't harm them. It's, It's harm reduction. That's what it's called. Thank you, Jesus. Harm reduction. And I'm saying in that, in that arena, of substance abuse, that same 
um, process can be used in the area of abortion as well because, you know, just like they have different um, they have different options that you can use for abortion because I'm not saying that I'm promoting it, but I'm saying like to prevent people from going to these black market places and putting themselves in harm's way. So I'm just saying like there are different things that you have to think about before you so hardcore against something because they have some situations that, you know, you, you have people walking around having babies by their father and things like that, you know, because they couldn't, they can't get an abortion, you know, or whatever. It's like all kind of different scenarios that we can speak on, but that's not our topic today. So we have to move on. But I just wanted to mention that harm reduction um, way of thinking how you, you, you can minimize it until you can get them to change their mind about their way of thinking. You have to take it slow and then, you know, work with them because it's a process with everything. Some people, you can't just go hardcore. So I'm just saying, you know, because I am a human services person. I love to serve, and I'm I'm all up in social services, and I'm on the prevention and intervention side. So I'm always going to give my point of view on that part. So I just wanted to mention that that was that's another way to look at it. But anyway, DJ Dika and Miss Vicky is about tunnel vision, about helping you see there's more than just one side. No matter what right. our faith is, no matter what our thinking is, this show is about helping you see more than one side. That's all what it's about. All right, then. Yes. Uh, moving on, back to life, back to reality. Back to reality. We want to get, we want to move forward into the topic um, of the day. Um, we were talk, we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks. Think, think this is the fourth week, huh? Is this the fourth yeah. week or the third? And yeah, and so, um, I just want to go here real quick. Identification. Um, we have fans out there. And one fan in particular was like, okay, they love it when we talk about but when are we going to move to the next subject? So hopefully we can end this up. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. However, right. we know that we, we appreciate that fan, and we appreciate their point of view. However, there may be some people that's really getting something out of it. So we ask for your patience, and we will try to close it out on today. No, I forgot. I can't use the word try. I was already told by a young man um, my girl, my my girl, one of my girlfriend's sons was like, "You shouldn't use the word try. It's almost like you saying you failed before you even attempted to do whatever it is you want to do." So I'm not going to use try. So we're going to pursue. Um, what's another word? We're gonna we're gonna work towards ending this subject today, and then we just may do something different later where we can also bring it back up to touch on some things. However. Amen. The subject has been stigma of parenting. It takes a village. And we just wanted to kind of recap that we had discussed the law and practices of parenting um, and as well as its impact on the past, present, as well as the future. So we had gotten so we had gotten um, we had gotten to the point where we were talking about the present and kind of the future mixed up. And the reason why we brought the future up is how we can make a difference with how we handle this area of stigma. Um, we had talked about rites of passage and the different ways that you can um, implement that in your raising your children. And we actually found an article that um, talked about stigma of parenting, which we thought that would be, would be a good example to kind of close out the subject, the article is actually called Stigma and Parenting a Child with an Emotional or Behavioral Disorder. Now, I just wanted to clarify something. This article is saying emotional behavioral disorder, meaning that they've been diagnosed. There's a lot of situations where people haven't been diagnosed, so they actually fall into the same um, position as the um, article is going to be speaking on. So I just wanted to speak on that, um, or mention that, I mean. Um, well, if I so in this article, go any further, wait, if you go any further, go ahead. just for clarification, even though the article, the article is from Parent, 
let's give the 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 the, the source. Oh yeah. It's, it's from okay. Parent Hub, Grow Love Learn, um, and you can go to their website, ParentHub.com, if you want to read the article. And even though it's particularly uh, stay, uh, what am I trying to say? Pinpointing a certain certain children. But as I was reviewing it, I think this is universal. I mean, even though it's for right, based on emotional behavior disorder, but you don't even some of this stuff I feel can rely uh, apply to people that don't, the children that don't have emotional behavior disorder. So go ahead, Miss Vicky. Amen. I like the way you said the same thing I said because maybe somebody didn't get it. So that's right. good that you. Ex- Explained it the way you explained it, and I even kind of got it a little bit too when you said it that way. Well, it says here, what is stigma? (laughs) What is stigma? The article says that stigma can be overt, such as when others criticize or exclude the parent or the child. It can also be subtle, showing itself in veiled comments. And stairs. Parents experience yeah, stigma in, in, in many, and they have a few key ways down here. The first one is yeah, blame, blame and bad parent stigma, which means parents feel blamed for their child's problems and that they are seen as bad parents. Now, I'm, I've even experienced that, but I know many people who have experienced that. Then they have they have one that says courtesy stigma. I'm like, wow, that's a pretty interesting uh, subtopic subtitle. Um, parents experience stigma because they are related to their child who has a problem. Being stigmatized because the child it is can create feelings of shame and embarrassment. So, I know you know. It's like, you know, because the child, that's just like, you know, when you take your child to the store. You know, you have to train your child, of course, but maybe this child is a little bit more difficult to train. As I spoke on before, when I was potty training the children, I was very difficult, and I have five. So I'm saying when you take a child to the store and then they act up because they can't have a toy or a piece of cookie that's in the wrapper while you're trying to grocery shop, or whatever the case may be, or they decide to have a temper tantrum, then you're embarrassed because then people are looking and some people are turning their nose up at you. Um, some people are mad because they hear the child hollering and it's getting on their nerves. I mean, I, I ain't even going to lie because I know a few times that I felt that way when I hear them hollering. I'm like, oh, my God. But then I have that oh, my God moment, but then I have the reminder of what I went through raising my kids. So then I'm like, uh. I know she said, would you please be quiet? Like, I know some parents, they'll give it to them just to get them to be quiet. (laughs) They don't feel so stressed out. So I'm just saying, like, different things. And that's a a small example. Now, we can go to a whole other level where they act up in school. um, On the airplane. On the airplane. Oh, do you have an example of the airplane one? Well, child acting yeah, up on the airplane? Um, you know, you know, because we're doing this research and talking about these subject matters, it's just causing me not to, you know, walk, come out of my total vision because, you know, we be so quick to want to say this and that, and while that parent ain't handling their child and why they not making them cry, uh, sometimes they are doing that. They're doing that. They're trying to calm them down. They're trying to walk with them. And that just then is not enough. And it's to me, what we need or what we should we should come together. Empowerment moment. Empowerment moment. We're supposed to lift one another up. You may not have a child with you at the moment, but you might have a child at home and somebody else babysitting your child. So let's not be so quick to judge. You know, um, let them handle it. But maybe you. Come as you're passing, nicely say, you know what? Would you like me to help, or do you need? And they may say no, and that's okay. But be willing to ask and help, and not be so quick to judge, be judgmental. And we don't do that enough, you know. Or it'd be like, oh, you in my business, okay? You might get that too. 
You might get that too. We're going to have real talk. You might get that. I'm curious. I'm curious to know what that example is on the plane. What example uh, did you have when the child acted up on the plane? Did you have an example for that? I just heard stories, and I do. Okay, what did you um, hear? Well, this was on The View. I do watch The View, okay? And Wilson Gerber was was sharing how she'd be on the plane. Well, I don't even think she'd fly anymore because she's afraid she'd do the bus. But I think she was sharing one time she was on the plane, I do believe, don't quote me, and she had that experience where the, the child was screaming and hollering, and they couldn't calm the child down, and, and just, you know, it even came out to say, why don't they have an airplane just for children and parents, you know? I don't know. That's, <laughs> you know I'm just saying. Or you a know. child care area. <laughs> yeah. That would be yeah. something else. Oh, my God. And then that I is so true. Excuse me, I was watching Hallmark, Give It Out for Hallmark Channel. That's my channel. It done got to the point I don't even watch regular TV no more. Miss Vicky be like, did you watch that? No. I watch Hallmark and Good Times and Jeffersons. But anyway, the movie I was watching, the lady brought that up. Uh, she was on the plane in the movie. She was on the plane, and the baby was just acting up, crying or whatever. But the thing about it is when she got off the plane to go to her meeting, she couldn't go to her meeting because the baby had, I guess, had chicken pops, and she got chicken pops. So oh, no. the baby might have been crying and being irritable. This is a movie now. The baby might have been crying irritable because they was they was about they about to catch chicken pox or they it's coming down with it. Exactly. She had a fever. So like right. some of us judgmental, being judgmental, let's not act like we don't be judgmental. Uh, you don't know the baby could be sick on the plane and just right. irritable. Uh, I'm gonna go further. It's grown ups. Grown ups. Let me say it again. Grown ups, uh, we be having our little moment, and, but we can't say we irritable. I, I acted up today, or I went off on somebody because I'm irritable and I got a fever. You know what I'm saying? So let's just think about stuff like that. Okay, move on. So, move on in the article. So anyway, I just want to mention this part in the article where it says not only do strangers stigmatize. But yes. also family members, friends, yes. acquaintances, and even child yes. teacher, school teacher, and helping professionals. Like they they um they stigmatize they um they talk negative about the child and then more especially the parent because everybody blames things on the parent. I don't care if it's the police department they blaming the parent. I don't care if it's ministers in the church they blaming the parent. I don't care if it's the hospital they claim blaming the parent. The school teachers is blaming the parents. Like friends, family, loved ones, they all blame the parents. So this article oh, touches on that. This wait article wait touches on that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wait, I got to go here back to the family members. Okay. Then they want to give you advice. Okay. Yeah. They want to give you advice. Whether they got children or not. Some got children, they want to give you advice. And then some children don't have no, I mean, some parents ain't got no children, but they feel like they Dr. Phil. Well, if you spank his butt or her butt, she wouldn't act like that. Or if you wouldn't do this or if you do this, no, no, no. Everybody's story different. You stay over there in your lane and you handle your situation and let me handle mine the way I feel. I need to handle it because I know the generation I grew up in, me and Miss Vicky, I'm, I'm trying to remember. What generation are we? Uh, what the heck? The X. Generation X, X. yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, when I was growing up, you know, you get that spanking. And I'm not saying spanking is wrong. I'm not saying it's good. All I'm saying, tell no business conversation. You got to have both sides. Some, some children, spanking might not be the answer. Spanking might not be the answer. And then some some children spanking works. So you have to figure out what works for you. It works mm-hmm. for you. Wait, wait we talking ahead. about the children. We're gonna have to say some some situations spanking <laughs> does not work for the parents. And some <laughs> situations spanking works for the parents. Because you got some parents that become abusive with it. And you have some parents that have the they have boundaries and they know the limitations on a spanking. But anyway, we can go on and on about that, but let's move on. So it mentions stigma increases caregiver burden and disliking for the role of being a caregiver. 
and the caregiver is the person, it's a mother, a guardian, you know, whether it's grandmother, godparent, um, somebody that took on the role to take on the child, take, to take care of a child. And they said it can result in poor parent psychological well-being and reduced quality of life. Parents might conceal the child's difficulty or isolate themselves and their child to avoid stigma. And so that means what? They're not even reaching out for help because they're embarrassed because they're going through self-stigma. You know, they being they they they're going through this stigma. This this um, they're feeling bad about how people was treating them, or the 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 energy that they're getting from people. Because sometimes people may not say nothing, but it's just the energy that they send off. So then it makes them want to not even put have people involved because, and then some people make it into a gossip. They find out what's going on in your life and they go and share with other people and turn it into a gossip that actually take the focus off their own problems and want to talk about your problems. And then it gets spread all over the place. So anyway, I'm going to move on to the self-stigma because I mentioned it already. So they talked about self-stigma, which is the, the guardian or the parent or whoever the caregiver is, is putting on themselves. Experiencing stigma can affect a parent in many different ways. Parents might come to believe that the stigma is true and start to think of themselves in a negative way. Oh, my God, I've been there. This is known as self-stigma. We think that there are, and so they're saying there's three different aspects, key aspects that they want to touch on. And self-blame is the first one. Parents feel responsible for causing their child's disorder or behavior. Because we know that some people ain't diagnosed with this, but they actually are in this uh, example of how the child is acting. Shame. Parent, this is the second one. Um, parents feel ashamed or embarrassed to be a parent of a child with a disorder or with a behavioral issue. The third one is bad parent beliefs. Parents feel like an inadequate or bad parent if they don't fit within the norm of how things are supposed to work out. And that I had spoke on earlier in this discussion how, you know, I am I so love to see good examples before me of parenting skills and how your child comes out and all those things. However, the part that's missing in some people's story, they got some people that's telling, but some people don't mention the rough times of how you got there. And so just because they were able to maybe isolate their issues where nobody knew the struggles that they went through before they had this beautiful uh, trophy, those the people that are actually being stigmatized, they have not they have not been able to shield their their issues in this isolate theirs. So because their situation maybe was showcased or maybe whatever happened that that parent and the child situation, you know, you have some that go to jail, you have some that get involved in gangs, some that get on drugs, you know, some that take on lifestyles that you wouldn't even believe, and the parent had nothing to do with influencing them to get there. But the stigma of them getting there is out in the open. So, you know, if they get the right help, you know, we believe God that everything's going to work out, but they don't have that time to isolate it so that they can work on it. So they dealing with it all out in the open where everybody can see, hear, and feel it. So it's a different dynamic. So I was saying I had touched on that before that, you know, everybody goes through something with parenting. However, the society wants to say, oh, it's the parent's fault. And then the way they say it, I'm not saying that the parent is not responsible for the child. However, they make it so negative when they say it that they make you feel bad. Instead of saying, look, this, instead of just saying it a different way, like giving you the tools to make it better, you know, giving you the resources. Like there are some people I've ran into and they would say, um, Oh, I have I have a hookup. I have a resource for you. 
you know, for this situation or for that situation. And I'm not even talking about parenting. It could be anything. And then you have some people you talk to, they don't say anything, and they have all kind of resources. Or some of them be like, oh, I have this resources, but it's going to cost you. You're going to have to come up with about $500, and then you can have this resource. <laughs> you know, so I'm just saying, and, some, and, and when you can actually get it for free or for a lower cost. You know, so I'm just mentioning that part because I had talked about it before, but it also falls into what we're discussing, how it affects the parent or the guardian or the caregiver, because, you know, we have different people that are caring for the children these days. We have foster parents, um, you know, like I said, grandparents taking care of their grandbabies or their children's, yeah, they, they, they're their grandbaby. Um, you know, and even taking care of uh, nieces and nephews and all kind of things. So we have all kind of different dynamics. We have all kind of different economic statuses going on here. And then we have all kind of, uh, when I say economic status, meaning that they may or may not get connected with resources depending on their financial background. So I want to ask DJ Dika, did you have anything to input you know, on what I just yes, spoke I wanted to give the I wanted to give the stats. And even though this article is specifically oh, talking that's about children with behavior problems, um, so I want to pinpoint that. But, you know, it could also be you don't have to have a behavior problem, but because this article is talking about that. And I don't want to go into too much detail, but I can personally relate to this topic here. Um, so I'll give a few stats. So this there was a survey given of 607 parents in Australia and New Zealand who had a child, so we're just going to go with the emotional behavior problems. In our recent study, we surveyed 607 parents in Australia and New Zealand who had a child with an emotional behavior problem. We found that about 72% of parents blamed themselves, often Mm -hmm. almost all the time, for causing their child's disorder. Although 97 felt often to almost all the time that they did not deserve to be blamed by others. That's where I'm at, right? The, Amen. And I want to go there. Let me let me just stop there for a second because I'm dealing. I personally have a stake in this right here. When you're talking about disabilities, because I am an advocate for people with disabilities and I advocate for others, and I advocate for myself. So we have parents that are disabled. And then some of them have children that are disabled. So let's focus on the mental health, mental illness, okay? So right now it's a stigma that we see in the news, in the media, that when we have our shootings, that the first thing they want to say is uh, the person had a mental illness, okay? I'm not saying that that doesn't happen. But now it's got to the point where that's all they automatically say that. And it, it puts a stigma on the people that do have mental disorders or mental illness, and that's not fair because everybody with a mental disorder or mental illness does not go out and kill people. So let's just go back, go back, continuing going back to the media. So once it's out there, then this is where my beef is. When it happens, then the support goes toward the victim, the victim. Victims, and I'm not saying. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that we shouldn't care about the victims, but I, but I don't like the fact that the the person that did it could be a child or a teenager has a mental illness. Nobody talks about that and what the parent of that child is going through, because that's embarrassing. They're blaming themselves. Oh my God, my child did this, and then they'll come to. I seen an interview where they interview the parent of the person that killed somebody, and they were, like, all on them, like they were a dang criminal. Why you didn't do this, or why you didn't go take him to get help, or why didn't you make sure he had his medicine? Okay, I did all that. I did all that. And he still did what he did. So it's not the parent's fault, but society wants to make it seem like it's the parent's fault, and we're doing the best we can. And I'm just going to just, um, yeah, because this right here is a touchy subject for me. Um, let me continue with the the statistics. Um, what did I say? About 46% of parents often to almost all the time felt ashamed. About 69% often to almost all the time felt that they were bad parents. And 53% often to almost all the time felt guilty. 
self self stigma was higher the closer wait was higher the closer the biological relationship between the parent and the child for example mothers experience self stigma more than aunts or grandmothers so that's what they're talking about there also parents yeah. of children with behavior, also parents of children with behavior problems uh, uh, experienced about the same levels of self stigma as parents of children with emotional problems uh, okay. Yeah, so because I'm, you know why? Because if you're taking care of somebody else's shop, you take you just the um you just didn't say well, I'm taking care of I'm taking care of my daughter. So then they gonna say, Oh, the mother the child whatever the case may be. So it's that's the reason why it's um it's less on the grandparents or the aunt. Yes, ma'am. Vicky, there was a little technical difficulty, so we didn't hear. We only heard, like, the last part, so you might want to repeat that. Oh, I was saying that the um, that the reason why they say that it's less blame or less self-blame on the aunts and grandmothers because they can say, oh, I'm taking care of my niece's child or I'm taking care of my son's child because of whatever. So it takes the blame off of them or the stigma stigmatization off of them as a parent because that's not their biological child. So most times they're looking at the person that's raising them from the womb or even if they gave birth to them, you know, gave birth to them coming into the world, that it's a high stigma that if you don't, you know, you don't do certain steps, when you're raising a child, that the child turns out a certain way, that it's the parent's fault. But just to so, add to that, um, that's why our title was called Takes a Village, because even though you're not biologically the parent, but you're helping. So, you know, look at it like that, you know. And I just, we only have like 10 more minutes, but I want to that, I know we have to, I know we got to close it. Okay. But I think this is important because we try to share positive, even though we may talk about a negative subject matter. So the article is giving us um, tools. So I just want to share some tools based on articles. It says, what parents experiencing self-stigma can do. So for you parents that are feeling that self-stigma, these are some tools. And we don't have a lot of time, but we're just going to give it to you real quick. Number one, is this person's opinion important? So when people are coming at you, uh, check yourself and be like, wait a minute. Should I be wasting my time with this person? Is their opinion important? Okay, so once right. you go through that, okay, so depending on if it's important to you and they, you know that they're saying what they're saying out of love, then you might take a little stock of what they're saying. But if they just around the corner just coming up to you, we just met yesterday, uh, talk to the hand. Okay, oh, you don't two. have to just meet them yesterday. It could be somebody that's in your life on a regular basis, so don't limit it to that. Okay, go on to the next okay. one. Number two, believe that you are good enough. Believe that you are good enough, no matter what anybody says to you, okay? Because it's not always going to be easy. But the fact that you're willing to still love your child through it all, that's what matters. Because some people give their children away. Some people kill their children, okay? Moving on. Right. Access access information. And I know Miss Vicky is very big on this one. Access information that will help you avoid the self-blame game. Um, number four, build a toolkit of strategies. Having options to help you support your child can help you feel better informed. Number five, access support for you. Sharing your concerns with the empathetic. Hey, let me say that again. Sharing your concerns with the empathetic understanding others, particularly those who are in a similar situation to yourself. Just like I was giving an example on the plane. Be empathetic. Now, we couldn't give you details, so if you want more detail, each one of those uh, things that you could do, you can go to the article, Parent Hub. And type in the title, Stigma and Parenting a Child with Emotional or Behavior Disorder. All righty, then. We're going to go back to life, back to reality. Back to reality. 
<laughs> we want to thank our listeners. We want to go and begin to thank our listeners and um, give a shout out to Eon H2O Water. Always get your nice water. Um, also to EXP, I mean WEXP 88.3, um, our sponsor. We want to sh- give a shout out to them. And then we want to give our listeners where they can continue to follow us on social media and um, our website and email and all that good stuff. So I'm going to hand it over to, to DJ Dika so she can do what she do and, and whatever she wants to add to that. Okay, so we are on social media. We are under Divine Victory Ministries, Facebook, uh, all small letters. Um, we're also Twitter, DBM418. Instagram, Small Letters, Divine Victory Ministries. And back to the Facebook, like I always say in the past, there's more than one Divine Victory on uh, Ministries on Facebook. So make sure that you look for the Divine Victory Ministries that has a key in the middle. That's our logo because we're about sharing the three keys, awareness, empowerment, and education. We also um, have an email address if you have any questions or concerns. You can contact us at Divine Victory Productions, all small letters, no space, at gmail.com. We also have a wonderful website. We want to give a shout-out to Yaya, who does our website, divinevictoryministries.com. And we also have some books, um, resources um, pertaining to domestic violence. Divine by Karen Kingsbury, a very wonderful, very awesome book, 2006. I would uh, encourage everybody to read it. There's a handbook, It Shouldn't Hurt to Go Home, the Domestic Violence Victim Handbook, L.A. County Board of Supervisors, Domestic Violence Council, 2015, Every Woman Has a Story, Volume 1, by Holly Langston, 2017. And um, one day we will, um, we can uh, talk about the handbook, because that handbook is very um, important. got tools in there that everybody should uh, use. Um, Anything else you want to talk about, Ms. Vicki, before we close? Um, No, because I don't think we have time for any jokes that you had, uh, that you Uh wanted to do. Do you have time to do one of them? Can you do one of them real quick? I didn't know I did jokes. The one when you were talking about... I mean, the comedy with the parenting, the things that they teach. The article oh, that you have picked. Oh, yeah, yeah. You have time have to, to do at least one of them? Oh, let's see. We might have to share this next week. Uh, we don't have enough time? You could just do a few. Let me see. 40 sayings. This is, an article. this is an article called 40 sayings from your parents that you swore you would never use, but you do. Uh, April 14, 2015, by Monica Rogers. Let's see. Um, I remember this one. Here they are. Money doesn't grow on trees, you know? That's the famous one. I heard that all the time. I that right now. Close. Oh, yeah, I remember this one. Close the door. Were you, wait, were you raised in a barn? Yep. Um, I don't know about this one. Um, here was another famous, uh, here's another famous one parents uh, use, and we said we never do it. We use it still. We doing it because I said so. <laughs> you know, <I'm> sorry. <laughs> here go another one. If so, if so, so jump off a bridge. Would you jump off a bridge? Yep. And this was really famous in my household. I mean, I, I must admit, I might get in trouble, but I'm grown now. It, it torments me today. Stop crying before I give you something to cry about. As DJ Dika is reading off a few, we're just going to say we love you. We, we Peace out. Have a wonderful holiday. Be safe. Um Drive safely. Don't drink and drive. Don't smoke weed and drive because, you know, they got people that's buzzing and driving. Um, You know, love on your family. Love your family. Don't make new enemies. Um, What? You know, forgive those. Yeah, we do. But we just wanted to say all those things as we go off the air. Hallelujah, back. 
Peace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Love y'all. See you next week. Oh, no, the show is over. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.